He knows how to fire people up, and he does that on a weekly basis with the men that he ministers to with scriptures, prayers, um, encouraging words, and then he has a men's ministry. They have a breakfast once a quarter at least, and then two big events through the year that I've spoke at several times, and uh, I enjoy that fellowship that I have with him. But we've been talking over the last several weeks as we've uh, wrapped up our Walking This Way series. We talked about walking the way Jesus walked from 1 John 2, 6. We talked about walking in faith and uh, by faith and not by sight. We talked about walking uh, in the Spirit. And last week we wrapped it up talking about walking in a manner worthy of being called a son. And we do have a responsibility uh, as sons to walk the way that Jesus walked. and uh, But as we were talking, we've been talking about stories of faith and trust. And we got on the topic of the difference between faith and trust. Is there a difference between faith and trust? And so Jonathan was talking to me about what faith and trust is. So share with the people what you came up with about the difference of faith and trust and what it means to trust to God. Well, that's a good question we were talking about the other day. <laughs> But, I mean, I, I think, to me, trust, I like the word, the trust to me is more of an, I don't know, you can see what's coming type thing, because we've always been taught about faith is like this, you know. Um, but if you trust somebody, it means you already have a relationship with them. I, I trust this person because I know them. I trust them because I've seen what they've done for somebody else. Um, I, I'm an electrician. I, I, I do a lot of work in people's homes. They trust me, and they call me on the phone and say, hey, do you know a plumber? Do you know somebody else? I've built that relationship with that person, and they began to trust me. So that, to me, is starts with trust. You see them, yeah. build a relationship so with them. So as we were growing up, the game that we used to play, we played that trust game when we were teenagers. You know, and, and you would stand up, and your buddy would be behind you, and if you really trust them, and they're not playing a practical joke on you, you would fall straight back expecting them to catch you. Anybody ever done that at all played that game? Where you trust people. <laughs> you want to try it out right now? She wants me to test it and to see. <laughs> That's a. He, he, now, listen, he's just to go back. You caught me many times just in life, in my relationship with God, yeah, mentoring right. still. Right. And so we, we trust each other in that way, and that's the only way you can build a relationship. If, whether it's a friendship, a romantic relationship, there has to be trust in that relationship. And so when we are walking with Jesus, we've, we begin to trust him because and out of the relationship that we have developed with the Lord. A lot of people don't trust the Lord because they don't spend enough time with the Lord in a relationship to see his hand at work in their life. Doesn't mean that he's not working in their life. But when you spend time with him, I'm studying right now the prayers of Jesus in the New Testament. And Lisa's been sharing with me some on that. And Jesus trusted the Father. They had a relationship. And so there was communication going on. And out of that, uh, he walked in fellowship and communion with the Father on a continual basis and trusted the Father. So much so that he said, I only do what the Father tells me to do and I only say what the Father tells me to say. Uh, and entrusting someone to come into your home like his, uh, his business and do work in your home, we need to trust Jesus to come into this temple. Well, he's already in there by the Holy Spirit. Let him do the work. Uh, 
how many of you understand after being at Grace Life that the work that Jesus did for your salvation and your righteousness and your healing and your deliverance and everything that you need is a finished work? Amen. Can I see your hand? When you ask Jesus to do something, to heal someone, he does not go and take the stripes being beaten on his back again. He's already finished the work. However, the work that he's doing on us is an ongoing work. And so we have to trust him. And when we build trust in the Lord uh, and we allow him to work on us, then he can work through us. That's that new wine uh, that Lisa likes that song, new wine. He wants to pour us out as new wine. Uh, and in doing that, then you begin to have experiences. The Lord begins to move and work in your life and there are experiences. So I was talking to Jonathan about an experience of faith, and he was sharing with me uh, about he and his wife when they were uh, first married and working with uh, the youth in their church, shared that experience yeah, of faith. Um, great. I mean, many stories of faith, but this one, because this has really had to do with my wife and her walk with God. So, you know, we've been married for several, married for a couple of years, and my uncle was a pastor at church. So one day he said, hey, why don't you check out getting involved with the youth? Well, I said, okay, that sounds good. And Michael Bill would make suggestions to me, and I trusted him enough that I knew what he was going with this. So I never said that to my wife, and then one day we went on a youth trip to help out, and we get back, and she says, hey, I think we need to get involved with youth. I said, let's sign us up. So at that point, we began to get involved with youth. Well, during this time of getting involved with the youth, we get transitioned in. Um, my wife has really has a heart for young girls at this time. And um, so dealing with some issues with the, with the young girls as they're growing up, teenage girls, just normal stuff. She came to me. She said, no, she said, there's a uh, women's, a, girl, a young girls conference coming to Oklahoma City. It was put on by a Christian women's group and stuff, and it had to do with teenagers. And she said, I'd like to take the girls. I said, that's fine, hon. I said, well, I'll get, we'll get the van from the church and just go down there. She said, well, I don't have any tickets. I said, well, whatever you think you need to do, I mean, I'm, is this, you want to go, I'm, I'll support you. So she's like, okay. So she presented to the girls. I said, we're gonna, she's going to leave a Saturday morning to go all the way to Oklahoma City. And we had no tickets. And uh, she said, but I just feel heart, my heart that I need to go. I feel strong about this. I said, get her done. So um, they get up in the morning. They show up at the church. Everybody, uh, everybody gets in the girl. All the lady girls get in the vans. A van full of girls are excited about going. And uh, off they go to Oklahoma City with no tickets. And it's a sold-out conference because we try to get tickets. We show up. My wife's now, we, we show up, and my wife's like, okay, well, hold this sign that we need tickets. And they're like, wow, oh, we don't want to do that. So my wife's like, well, okay, I'll hold it. So she held up. The sign, and within minutes, somebody came up to him and said, how many tickets do you need? This many. Gave him second, almost second or third row tickets to the conference with no charge. Now, after that experience, you begin to trust God more and more. And that was huge for my wife and for those girls because God said, I care about these girls. They need this. You stepped out by faith. Here's your reward. Wow. I mean, how many? Uh, uh, that's, I'm reminded of Joshua Cook a few weeks ago talking about being in line at the airport. And uh, the Lord told him to give his the last dollars that he had to the lady behind him. And that was going to be his money to get his COVID shots or tests before he flew from Mexico to America. And he had to have the, the test. And he didn't know what he was going to do. So he obeys the, the Lord, gives that money to those people. He's next in line, not knowing what he's going to do. 
and the lady taps him on the shoulder and gives him the money back. She had found her purse that she lost and got their money back, so he was able to move. But he stepped out in faith, trusting that whatever the Lord was going to do, it was going to work out for the best for him and his son. Now, don't you think that when he stepped out by faith, and now my you know, wife reminds me of that she thinks about that, we have that to, to step out even further with. Hey, I made that little step. God met me there. Here's a bigger step. I'm going to continue on. You continue like this is how we trust God. That's right. With everything, is it like, hey, that's a win. Hey, that's a win. That's a, even if there's a setback, God's grace is there to say, hey, understand. Yeah. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. But with every evidence, with every um, <coughs> miracle that we have in our lives should help us to take that next step with God, to trust even more, yeah. to go move up. Well, the steps of a righteous man or woman are order the Lord, not the leap. You don't have to take the leap of faith. Take the step of faith. And you're trusting the Lord in that first little step. She felt in her heart that these girls needed this conference. They couldn't get tickets, but she felt so strongly that she just took the first step. Without a plan B. Yep. I mean, Hosea Wade didn't have a plan B. He just, I guess he just wasn't going to come to America and God was going to work something else out, but he just trusted enough to take the step. And if you'll take the step, I, without a doubt, I believe that the Holy Spirit in you is talking to you. He's leading and guiding you, and he wants you to take a step of faith. For some, it, may be, it might be a step to, of belief, uh, an area of belief in your life. Lord, I believed unto salvation, but help my unbelief. Yeah. Belief is a heart issue. Okay, uh, Look at Luke 21. Go to Luke 21, 26, because you know we couldn't have church without a scripture. <laughs> so you, let's go to the Bible, and let's go to Luke, the 21st chapter, verse 26. I believe Joanna will have it on the screen for us if you don't have it. And it says, men's heart, I'm reading from the New King James, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. Belief begins in the heart, but men's hearts are failing them because of what they see on the outside. They're looking at the expectation of what's coming because there's been a propaganda of fear that's because of what's happening. And I'm not even talking about news agencies. I'm talking about from pulpits in America where we've got doomsday preppers and we've got people calling out the skies falling chicken littles back on the scene. And because of the fear of what's coming... Men's hearts are failing them. Um, but Proverbs, the fourth chapter, verse 23, says to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. So diligence in the Hebrew is mishmar, and it comes from the word shamar, and that means to guard as a watchman, uh, to hedge about uh, your heart. Um, I believe that's what the Holy Spirit does for us if we will allow him to do that. Uh, and then Paul tells us in Colossians that we need to let the peace of God, which also you are called in, one body, to rule in your hearts. To, that word rule right there in the Greek is the word umpire. Let peace in your heart be the umpire 
about the decisions that you're going to make and then step out one step at a time as the Lord leads. But see, trust, belief comes from the heart. It starts in the heart. It's an issue of the heart. Um, but we've made it more about actions. We've made it more about, and I know faith without works is dead, but that faith without works, all James is trying to tell you to do is when you walk out your faith, then it's going to prove to others the God that you serve is still alive and he's still working and he's still moving. Uh, it doesn't prove that you, whether you're righteous or not. You're made righteous by what Jesus did, not by what you do. But you prove your righteousness and the hand of God in your life and on your life to others by your works or your acts of faith. When you trust God, and then you step out, um, your heart must not be troubled. So this is a, a scripture that's found in John the 14th chapter that's used in a lot of funerals. It's not a funeral scripture. I'm not saying that it can't be used in a funeral, but what Jesus was telling the disciples is not, don't let your hearts be troubled. See, because if you have a troubled heart, then you will have a, a temptation of, for doubt, and then when there's doubt, you don't believe, and then when you don't believe, you don't receive. Doesn't mean that he's not working and that he's not moving and he hasn't provided. It's just with, when we doubt and we don't believe in our hearts, we do without. Um, but your heart must not be troubled you must believe in God, and you must believe in me. You've believed in God, he told the disciples. Believe in me. I'm his exact representation. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So believing is a heart issue. Even when it comes to what Jesus has done for you for your righteousness, because Paul says in Romans it, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you're saved. Doesn't tell you what words to repeat. Doesn't tell you that if you say these words and confess in this way, then you're saved. You believe that what Jesus did, what did he do? He died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. Confess that with your mouth. It's that simple. You are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And I wish I had my staples button up here. And you could hit it and it would say, that was easy. Remember that button? I, I think we get in the habit of we want to make it harder than what it is. Yeah. But it's not that. I mean, it's, it's adventureness. It, it's exciting. Yeah. But it's you just you must believe. And maybe that's the hardest thing for most people to do. Is you believe in something, you know, that you really can't see in a way. You know what he's done. We didn't, you know, we read about it. We see about it. But, you know, in other words, that's what you go back to saying. What he's done in your life is example for other people to see that. It's a path. It's you're walking, and people can say, hey, yeah, I've seen that in my life. Well, walk this path that I've walked, and God will do it for you. Now, you know what I'm saying. There's a path, and we have to walk. But we're walking a path for other people to see our lives because we want to hurt courage other people. We want to help other people to get to that next thing in their life because we have that in us. Yeah. We have evidence and trust that we can give other people and say, hey, I'll help you here. Hey, come on, let's go. We, can, we got this. Yeah. Let's go. Keep going. Keep moving. Yeah. Keep moving forward. That's right. I mean, it's, not, it's not about the person, per se, but it's what, what God did for that person. We can say, hey, I know God will do this for you. Yep. I got the evidence in my own life. A trail is something that has been naturally or unnaturally developed. So you, it either out of the natural course of water flowing down a mountain or uh, trees, dead trees falling over, a trail is forged, or someone can go in and cut out a trail. 
but a path is something that has been beaten down that somebody has already walked before you. So, and when we're walking the way Jesus walked, we're not walking some way and trying to forge a trail where no one has ever gone. We're following the one that has already cleared the path for us. Matter of fact, in Isaiah, he prophesies and he says that he will make the crooked path straight. He'll make that low place. He'll elevate it so that it's level ground. And he'll bring that high place down so that it is a smooth path. And, and then David tells us, that we walk in the paths of righteousness. Who paid that path? Who made that path? Who went before us? So we're not forging the path for righteousness. It's already been trodden down for us. And we follow him in that path. And then we begin to trust him. And as we begin to trust him, more and more is unveiled to us. This is exciting. Because, you know, it makes me think when I go out to my farm and I check my cows, the cows, when, they, when I call my cows in, They'll be way over here. They'll run all the way around, get on the path, and come all the way to eat. They don't make new ones. They follow the same one they've already gotten. And it's easier for them. A path is easy to walk on. When you have to walk, when you have to forge a trail, it's not easy. At some point, you'll be like, this, I ain't doing this no more. There's thorns. There's trees in the way. I, this is not what I'm called. You know, they get frustrated with that. Walk the path that Jesus has already walked. It's so much easier. No, I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. I'm not no, saying that. No. But... It's a path that's easier than more, more we can make it. And in doing that, then he will open up things for you that you will pioneer and you will forge a trail in other areas. With Man, I'm learning more and more and more about my imagination. I heard Michael Todd talking about your imagination uh, this past week. And if you can imagine it, if you can see it, I mean, I was talking to Kim and she, with some certain things going on. If you can see, let's say that you have a, a cancer issue. So start seeing yourself with no cancer. You have arthritis. Start, imagine yourself walking not crippled over. Imagine yourself no fingers bent out. See that in your spirit because if you can see it and imagine it, See, that's why Paul said to cast down every vain imagination and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ. You have the knowledge of what Christ did for you, and then he's created you with a mind to think and to imagine. You can begin to imagine things that will come into reality. How does that work? You've got to trust him. You, you put your faith in that. You begin to imagine. If you have a financial need, I, I challenge you and encourage you. I invite you, actually, to begin to imagine that your culverts are full, that your bank accounts have money in them. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The, the Holy Spirit will open up doors for you. And when he opens up those doors for you, uh, it would be miraculous if your bank account just suddenly had money in it. But he's probably going to open up a door for you to walk down an area where you'll have to work. That's okay. That's right. It's all right. It's a, and then you, he opened that door for you, and then you work, and then he will provide. See, it's, he even told us in Deuteronomy, it's the Lord who gives the strength and the power to get wealth. Uh, now, I'm going to tell you, I've had times in my life, unexpectedly, that checks showed up. I've had times in my life where I overpaid insurance premiums and I got a, a refund. I've had different things happen. But 99.9% .9 of the time when the Lord has given me increase, it's been because doors have opened and I've gotten opportunities to work. 
How do you make a living? Get up every day and go to work. Nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. The jobs come in. Yep. The job, the phone rings, the job come in, and I go out and bid them. But here's what I'm doing. I'm walking a path that God has put in place in me to yes. make a living. And it's called Freedom Electric. That's and right. God has said, here's the path. You walk this path. It's a company I forged mm -hmm. by God's, not, not, it's all God's grace and mercy, but started a company. But yet, God said, this company's going to go down this path. Yep. And you trust me. And the phone rings, and, and, and that's how we get business. I trust God. Most of my business is word of mouth. But when you're in business, it's a trust issue. It's faith. So believing is a hard issue. Then when God opens up these doors and things begin to happen for you, then giving becomes a hard issue. Now, you, most of us would think money, and it does deal with money, but God has given a lot of us different talents. God has given us a lot of different uh, experiences in life. If, you, if God has given you an experience, if he took tragedy in your life and he worked that tragedy out in your life for good and he's brought good in it, he did that for you so that you can turn around then and help those who are going through tragedy. You give back in that area. If you are compassionate and you find those that are in need of compassion, if you have dealt with the death of a loved one, unexpected death of a loved one, a tragic death of a loved one, and God is helping you on that path, he wants you to give back in helping others that go through that. Well, we could go on and on and on with the gifts, the talents, the experiences that we have, but it's an issue of the heart. It's from our heart that we give, no matter what the gift is. Uh, for where your treasure is, that word treasure there doesn't just deal with money. You are a treasure. The gifts that he's placed within you are the treasure that he's given. So out of that, you give back to those that are in need. Again, giving of anything is a trust issue. Have you ever experienced any time in your life, let's just talk about finances for a moment, where God has given you a leading and you had to trust him financially with what he told you to do? Oh, oh many times, many times. Uh, one, for instance, um, my wife felt um, uh, felt in her heart that we need to give to the certain ministry. And, uh, of course, I didn't know how much she was going to give, but she said, I just feel like we need to. Give to this ministry and stuff, and she, she's bought some books and, re and read about this gentleman and stuff like that. And so I said, okay. So she, she uh, sent the check, you know, and uh, never heard much about much about it and stuff. And then um, as as it went on, as time went on, I can't remember exact amount, but she came back to me later. She said, listen, you remember that check I gave to, um, I think it was Olstein's ministry or something. She said, it, we came it came back to us in another check in another form. It was like twenty. 10 was like 10 percent it was like 20 percent something like that it was a light way more than what we gave, gave okay yeah. and she felt like she needed to do it in her heart on top of that we got all these books were sent to us for free on top of those books we gave them to other couples that needed these books mm -hmm. for their marriage or for encouragement and i was like she's like out of just one little check she said i wrote it wasn't a lot of money yeah but god just blessed over and over again mm -hmm. and um sometimes it's not the amount it's the obedience that gets the that's re, you're rewarded with. Well, it, and your obedience is not the root. 
because you can obey the Ten Commandments. That's not the root. Obedience is the fruit of a heart that's believed. So a heart that has believed and trusts God that what God says to do is best, in that trusting then, that heart will respond in obedience to what the Father has said to do. Um, you know, I only see Jesus praying one prayer for himself in all of the Scripture. Jesus didn't go around praying for himself. He prayed one prayer in the garden. It was a very tough decision that he had to make, and he said, well, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. All the other prayers are conversation with God, most of the time thanking him that what he had given him was he was keeping and that he was one with the Father. Just This is a lot of stuff that was going on that he was just communicating with the Father about. And out of that, then he obeyed because he trusted the Father. Um, Grace Life, I told you about seven months ago, six months ago, that we were $72,000 behind in giving compared to what last year was at that point. I would like to stand before you this morning and testify that I told the deacons this morning that that has reduced and now we're only $58,000 behind. So we've closed the gap in the last couple of months. That's good news. We're very transparent uh, about what we have, what we're doing with our finances. Um, but the encouragement in obeying the Lord and in giving is nothing more or nothing less than a trust issue. Uh, we don't preach an amount at Grace Life. We don't hold you to a law that says you've got to give a certain percentage. I have found out in the past two years in my own life that in doing so, I've just out of a natural flow, Lisa giving, we give to Grace Life, she gives to ministries that the Lord puts on her heart. Combined, we give to ministries that are supporting orphans around the world. We support orphans in four different countries, not through the church. That's what God's put on our heart. And it, we don't even miss it. It's just a, nat a natural flow. To, it, it's going to end up being that this year we're going to give more than we've ever given in our lives and that's not a percentage. It's not trying to figure out every week, but it's obeying the Holy Spirit, trusting that if he says to give something, no matter what it is, um, God's blessed us with a home. Our home has more bedrooms in it than we need. So we allow and have offered, and we still offer to our family, and this week all the bedrooms are full. <laughs> our friends are in town. Our family members have stayed with us. Uh, so that's something that, uh, in another area where you trust God. If he's given you something, he's given it to you so that you can use it for the kingdom of God. And then it's a heart issue. I want to wrap it up with this, and maybe we can talk about a one, one or two experiences. So believing is a heart issue. Giving is a heart issue. But worship is a heart issue. Worship comes from the heart. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, Ephesians 5.19. Speaking to one another, that means when we come together corporately that we speak to one another in psalms, blessings, and hymns, then we together corporately sing spiritual songs i believe that's singing in the spirit and making a melody in your heart to the lord uh, i believe that as we begin to worship 
that it should come out of our mouth. David said in Psalm 138, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. And then if you can put this last scripture, we've talked about heart, believing, giving, worshiping. Um, there are so many more acts of worship that come from your heart other than just showing up on Sunday mornings. This is a good time to corporately do that, and I think it's a good dose of the Holy Ghost. As Lisa said, it's our steroid shot to get us through the week when we encourage and build one another up. Uh, and we need to worship together. But acts of worship can be helping someone cross the street or bagging groceries for someone or going to a ball game and fellowshipping with one another and having fun together. Uh, Brett was talking earlier today about, you know, he's got so much throwing at him, thrown at him, and one of the most precious commodities that we all have is time. And one of the things about time is we only have a certain amount of time with our kids as they grow up. Some of you have already had them come and go. Some of you are still raising them, but you only have them for a certain amount of years. I mean, we don't have hardly any of ours at home anymore. They're all, we only had them for several years and then they're gone. Hopefully they're going to bring us some grandkids that we can play with here in a few years, but uh, in the natural process of time, Natalie, you know. <laughs> Pressuring it. No, no pressure. <laughs> Let me look at her. <laughs> Those are acts of worship, spending time with your family. I encourage you, if you are married without children or married with an empty nest, that you spend time with one another. That's an act of worship. So Hebrews 13, verse 9. These are all heart issues, and the heart strength the strength of our heart this is going to be good how we all need strength in our heart do we not strength to believe strength to give strength to worship well how does our heart where do we get heart strength well there are some things that physically the doctor would tell you to take or to do or to exercise so that you're you can gain heart strength tim had open heart surgery a few years back there's been a regiment that he goes through that helps strengthen his heart our heart strength is found in God's grace. So if Hebrews, Paul tells us, do not be carried away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established and strengthened by grace. Did you see that? Our heart is strengthened when it's established in grace. We talked two weeks ago about the way of grace and the walk of faith. The way of grace is completely objective. You can't change it. Jesus did the work, so get your heart established in what he did. Paul goes on to say that it's not strengthened by foods, the rules of diet and ritualistic meals, which bring no benefit or spiritual growth to those who observe them. In other words, it's not by observing rules and regulations that your heart is strengthened. You can obey rules all day long, but it doesn't strengthen your heart. It's when that your heart is established in grace. The confidence that Jesus and what he did at the cross, the finished work, is completely 
satisfies my heart when I believe and I recognize that that's what has made me righteous. Then it's very secure to walk in that. Uh, then there's a responsibility to follow the voice of the Spirit as He speaks to you. These are issues of the heart as we trust God, as we obey God, as we follow that path that He has laid before us. I've always, I'm not a, a, an experienced hiker. Why are you laughing for, Tim? <laughs> Uh, that's right. I, I walk the, the easy path along the sidewalk. But a hiker goes out and sometimes they veer off the trail. And I've, I've heard stories and I've experienced once or twice in my life when I used to hike as a young man at Riding Our Lake, what was called Devil's Tea Table. Now it's a subdivision. You can't hike out through there. But we, we hiked up there a few times. And every time you got off of the course, I would end up somewhere on the backside of Ride and Iron that I'd never been before because I got off the path. But when I would find my way back to the path, I could always find my way back to the lake or to the house or wherever I needed to go when I got back on the path. I would venture to say that there are many of us who have chosen to go our own way one time or another, and we got off of the path. The, the exciting, encouraging thing about that now for me in my life is that when I did, he didn't leave me. Amen. And his voice was still speaking to me, and he was guiding me. It's like the shepherd's hook, uh, you know, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod was to beat off the wolves, not to beat the sheep. But the pastors always beat, used it to beat the sheep. It's to beat the wolves off, the and that hook on the end of the shepherd's staff was to gently grab the sheep around the neck and pull him back onto the path. Why? Because the shepherd knew that that path was the easiest thing for him to follow because if he'd get off into the thicket and get caught up in the thicket and get caught off the path, it would injure him, it would hurt him. And the father doesn't desire that, so he always will bring us back to the path. Well, you know, something else about a shepherd, the shepherd knows where the enemy lies. And if we're, not, if we're not being guided by the shepherd, we'll get off that path and the enemy can get a hold of us. Yep. Yep. He knows where the enemy's going to lie in, in, in the, outside the path. So yeah. One other thing I want to um, touch on, um, it's all right, about the yep. heart. Yep. Strengthen the heart is grace. And I, I agree 100% with that. For me, also what strengthens my heart is when I encourage other people. Is when I'm out in public and I see somebody and I give them a high five. Hey, how's it going? You, how are you doing today? You encouraged God helping you today. Um, call some my buddy on the phone. Hey, how are you doing today? Well, everything going all right? Call you on the phone. That strengthens my heart yep. by giving back. We do once a month in my town, talking about giving, I do a free coffee Friday at CTX Coffee Shop. You've been there many times. You go there every time. Matt, he's come over there several times too. But once a month, every Friday, like next um, month, I'll be doing free coffee. Freedom Electric sponsors free coffee with another friend of mine. And I just give free coffee. I talk to people. I shake their hands. I smile at them. I encourage them. I don't go up there and say, hey, you know Jesus? I, I, don't, I don't do that. I just smile and I encourage them. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Yes. That's all we need right. is to smile to them. Yes. And, and pat them on the back and say, hey, here's a free coffee. Have a blessed day. And I don't do it for business. God takes care of my business. Right. But when I'm giving back to the community like that, and I'm giving to people's lives I don't even know, God in turns. Says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bless your business because you're blessing my business with this sheep, lost sheep. I need to bless yours. 
Uh, and please, uh, I hope that it didn't come across, across. It didn't when Jonathan shared to me that he's not bragging about what he's doing. He's sharing an experience oh, no, 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 of no. what the Holy Spirit has done, and that's what we're trying to do. Any experience that we share is not by God's grace. Hey, look at us. Look what we're doing. It's to ex share experiences with you so it will encourage you. You are just like us. You put your pants on the way we put our pants on. You you experience the same struggles and difficulties that we experience, and we're just wanting to share and encourage you uh, with those uh, stories, with those testimonies. Well, to me, church is building up the body. If you can't build the body by encouraging people for what God's done, then what are we here for, brother? Yeah, that's right. You know, um, and uh, somebody was in the office talking about before he came out here about the resources in America, how they're getting, it's crazy, you know. The, you see the memes of people going to go Christmas shopping on jet skis or all the boats out <laughs> in the ocean. Well, for whatever reason, that's just going on. But somebody made a comment to me at the coffee shop one time about, hey, you know, this young man, he, you know, he's realizing that he don't have any resources left. And, I, and it triggered me and said, you know what? One thing that we're always going to have is human resources. We're always going to have somebody come along to you and say, hey, hang in there. Hey, be encouraged. Hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, don't give up. Hey, keep going. Human resources, we're always going to have that. That's good. Because God chooses to use humans as imperfect as we are. Listen, sure. I'm nobody, but I know somebody that can encourage you, that can help you, and that's who I want to tell you about. I know yep. somebody. Yep. And if i got to give you free coffee, if i got to come to your house and do a free service call, if I've got to go out of my way to tell you about somebody, break out of we're going to do it yep. because that strengthens your heart. That strengthens your walk. That's part of the pathway. When you walk down your path, you're going to run into people that need you. I've been on this path for, my, for many, many years, this path I'm walking. I've feared off many times, but I've noticed the other day as I was driving the road talking to Jamie, he called me and said, what's on your heart? I said, this is where I'm at. In my walk with God, I have ran into people along my path that's helped me to get to this season, to get to this season, to get to this season on the path that God has for me. Yeah. That's where God has put me. And I just realized the other day, um, uh, uh, and uh, I don't want to go through all the story, but every path, every, every situation I get into when God brought somebody, it was what I needed. Yep. Now, we're all, all, all these guys that God brought to my life um, are still friends with me today. But, you know, a buddy of mine, Pat, came into my life at the time I was transitioning out of, out of um, um, being a youth pastor into something, didn't know where I was. I met my buddy, Pat Fryer. He's my best friend today. We're buddies, and we talked a lot about it. His walk with God was looked different than mine. I thought, what, what's going on here? And so he shared with me. He got me to another level of my walk with God. And then as I'm walking with God, um, a friend of mine I grew up with in church in Oilton, Brian Bias is his name, he comes to me and said, hey, I want you to help me work in this church. He gives me an opportunity to become an associate pastor in this church. Another path along my walk along the path. During this process, Jamie and I have become really good friends. And now Jamie's become more of a mentor for me in what I was becoming when I was associate pastor. We talk about things. You encourage me about things. I'd bounce some things off you. Along the path of my life, instead of as God was doing that. Now, again, it's not me. It's the path that God's chosen for you to walk. It's like this. And to next level, everything. Hey, I'm helping you here. Hey, this guy's going to help you here. Hey, this guy's going to help you here. I didn't ask for that. It's on the path I'm walking. It's good. Here's his passion is like this about everything. I mean, especially for the kingdom of God, but his passion for what he enjoys and likes to do. He's So all these people around us at the stadium yesterday, West Virginia fans, you know, they're looking at him and I said, and he's sober. <laughs> you know, 
but he's that's what encourages me I, I know that if I'm having a difficult morning or a tough day and I'm feeling a little bit down, if I talk to Jonathan, I won't be. Because he's an encourager. He's got it in him. It's a passion. It's not just a style that gets up here and wants to impress people. This is the way he is 24-7, right, Jenna? He's off the chain all the time. <laughs> Passionate. That's what encourages me. We need friends like that. I appreciate him coming. He's done work at our house this week. Uh, him and Christian uh, surprised Lisa with some new lights in the house. And yeah, we've turned his lights on. I was joking with Christian about it. We turned his can lights on in her kitchen, and all of a sudden, this guy with an uh, airplane cones was like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're really bright in her kitchen. She needed the she needed lighting up. So yeah, we've done a lot of work. But see, that's part of giving, brother. Yeah. You know, and and when you're gifted to give stuff like that. That's exciting. One more quick story I just want to share. Um, what's been a blessing in my life is I, I do Freedom Brothers, and you spoke there. Well, just a couple weeks ago, Freedom Brothers has now 5013C, and so, which is awesome because that's what God done. And I'm sharing this because this, is God's, this goes to God's praise. This is for all of him. All the glory goes to God. And so and he's, they gave the 5013C. I think it's awesome that Jamie spoke at some conferences. We're, we're looking at now their men's encounter next, in, next year in March. But um, one of my young men, one of my guys that is part of my group, he goes to another church. And uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me what church you're part of. You, you want to be part of Freedom Brothers? Come on, you know, um, which is for every, any man that needs encouragement. And so I seen him the other day out in this parking lot. And I walked over and said, hey, James, how's it going? He said, oh, pretty good. I said, how was your week, you know? He said, oh, it was pretty good. He said, my trailer got stolen. Now, this friend of mine in my neighborhood, he owns 102 rent houses. And uh, so he has this huge, big dump trailer. Have you seen those big dump trailers that – they're big steel, and they, they dump. Well, anyway, they're expensive, like $4,000 trailer. He said, yeah, he said, my storage unit called me. He said, somebody cut the fence and stole my trailer. I was like, man, I can't stand people that steal, you know? So we're talking about that. So we get there, and so I'm talking to him. And he said, but, yeah, listen to this. He said, so I get my truck, and, I'm you know, my partner's with me, and he said, and stuff. And, and he said, man, I'm just discouraged. I'm driving down the road. And all of a sudden, he sees this little SUV pulling this big old trailer and I mean, it was like, he said, it was just like crazy look because it was like, here's a big trailer back in this SUV. And it's like, you know, he said, that's my trailer. Now I was like, what? He said, yeah. He said, he said, the new ways, the reason I knew it was my trailer because I put these silver bolts in the side of it to, to rebolt the gate. He said, I've seen those silver bolts. I said, brother, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Now, listen, this trailer that was stolen is worth a lot of money. And when he went to work in West Tulsa, a certain area, he's seen that trailer. Now, that's God saying, hey, brother, listen, I'm going to take care of you. You just trust me. Don't you worry about it. The trailer's going to come back to you. And uh, he got his trailer back. He chased the guys down. They got out of the car and ran off, you know. But he got his trailer. So, listen, if you got a trailer stolen, you got some, hey, hang in there. It may come back to you. All right. Put your hands together and thank God for Jonathan Dupee speaking to us. Amen.